Get creative. Bar crawls aren't new. But with Carrie's creativity, she was able to put a spin on an old concept and deploy it for good. Welcome to You Better, a show about personal discovery and love. I'm your host, Keisha Garrison, and I'm on that journey of knowing and loving who I really am every day, just like you. I want you to come face to face with yourself and be proud of what you see. My friend, it's time to do better. It's time to you better. Now let's get to it. Hello and welcome to another episode of You Better. I am still doing my Take Action series for the summer of 2022, in which we learn from the lives of people who have figured out a way to turn their feelings of inspiration or even feelings of frustration into actions of impact for the world. I have decided this will be a five-part series, so we will have two more episodes that I'll do in July, and then I'm taking a much-needed hiatus over the month of August. I'll be regrouping and coming back refreshed and ready with more interviews with inspirational people whose life stories we can learn from. I've been talking to some really great people, so I'm looking forward to sharing them with you. But in the meantime, for today and then the next two episodes, I'll continue to bring you that push to take action for the moment we find ourselves in right now as human beings. Those episodes, for those who might be new to joining us, in them, I reflect on the ways that I'm injecting more action into my life. I introduce a new area of human impact that I'll cover in that current episode and share stories about people who are already doing that kind of work, people who we can look to to be models for how we can take action because they are already knowing how to go from idea to impact. And then at the end, we just recap the lessons and see what you and I can take from what we have learned in that episode. So for this week, let's start with my personal reflections, shall we? Very quickly, I just want to share um, that for those who are following along, I have identified mutual aid groups in Seattle that could benefit from further support. And particularly, I made contact with some great people at Chumen Tofu, which is a restaurant here that offers free meals every weekend. This is particularly valuable to our area because we have a lot of unhoused people and they need to be fed. You know, that is a form of harm reduction in our community. So they have these free meals every weekend and they have a variety of needs ranging from people to prepare the food, to serve the food, to clean up, to purchase supplies, or to even just drive things around if you have a vehicle. So there are a number of ways that I can help out with that effort. So I'm really glad that I took the time to check and see who had a need in my community. I've already shared some supplies with them and will continue to have a relationship with the folks at Chu Min Tofu and just build that connection over time. And in a previous episode where we saw the example of Billy Avery squatting up with her coworker friends to launch an abortion clinic in Gainesville, Florida, that got me to thinking about how I can mobilize my group chats, you know, where we're all just chirping about the things that frustrate us uh, to see what we can do together to impact the world. And I think that we're in that area, I'm settling on the upcoming midterm elections in the United States as something that I can squat up with my people on because we, we need to be tuned in to what's happening with the election. So I'll give that some more thought. You can't go from an idea to a fully formed plan the next day. I'm giving myself that grace about trusting the process, but just pausing to think about what I wanted to impact in the world 
and thinking about doing it in community with other folks already made it feel more achievable, no matter what it's going to be. So that is a bit of my personal reflections and what's on my mind these days about taking action uh, as it relates to my personal life. Now, for this week's area of human impact, I want to discuss economic empowerment for Black people. Now, we are not the only population who are deserving of some restorative actions in this area, but it is an undeniably important issue for me and for many of the people who I care about. So I can't help but make this one of the impact areas that I want to highlight in this series. I share these specific topic areas because they mean something for me, but the particular ways that we see people move into action, move into a posture of action for whatever topic area I'm introducing, it can likely be applied to whatever topic is on your heart, something that you care about. So just keep that in mind. I'm always going to give you just like a little bit of my flavor and feeling around the topics I choose and share with you these stories of people who are doing work in that area just to highlight examples and models you can take into your own life and your own areas of passion. Okay. All right. So Before I share with you about people who are doing the work and have taken action related to economic empowerment for Black people, I do want to share some thoughts about the situation that we all find ourselves in. And what is that situation, you say? It is that today you hear someone talk about supporting Black business, and it's something that a lot of people might think is trendy or nice to do and not think about as really essential Or you might be in a situation where you hear people saying that it's reverse racism to support a business just because it's black. We are also continuing to be in a situation where some people just come to expect inferior service or quality from black people in the businesses that they run or the products and services that they offer. And I can't possibly give you a complete history lesson about all the ways that Black people have been systemically denied economic opportunity because it would make this episode days long. But I just want you to think about our origins as a country and where some of these thoughts and ideas and themes and biases are coming from. This entire country has a foundational concept that Black people deserve less. You can't deny that at the foundation of the country is the idea that Black people needed to be handled violently and kept in line and operating in such a way that white people could benefit economically from their unpaid labor. When you consider that in the chattel slavery era, the pinnacle of success as a business owner was owning a large plot of land and then terrorizing people to work on that land for free. Plantations were organizations that relied on violence to keep as many people working for as little cost as possible to make the maximum profit for those business leaders. And for them to carry out this cruelty, the whole society and the community at large had to kind of sign off on that idea that black people deserved the treatment and that they did not deserve any compensation, that they were worthless and worth less than other people in that community. The cruel irony of all this is that at the height of chattel slavery, because there was this such thing as a slave-backed mortgage, we know that the combined value of enslaved workers exceeded the combined value of all the railroads and all the factories in the United States. Let's run that back. Because of the free labor they produced, 
there's a value assigned to them as mortgaged property. And the value of the mortgages on black people was higher than the combined value of all the railroads and all the factories in the United States. So while their human worth was disregarded, our ancestors' financial worth was through the roof. And that financial benefit was just absorbed by the people who were enslaving those people. It never, ever went to the benefit of the people who produced said value, nor the people in their lineage. And this is an accumulative effect because we've lived this way for 250 years of black people being dominated and traded like stock. And then when those 4 million enslaved people were so-called freed, they were released into a society where there was no infrastructure for them to have a sustainable life, no compensation for the years that they had previously worked and put all those miles on their bodies and their souls to build wealth for other people. They were put out into the streets without homes, without health care, without any protections, trying to figure out what to do after having been denied an education. They had to start over, not from the bottom, but from somewhere lower than the bottom to survive. And on top of that, as they struggled, the propaganda machine was in overdrive and white Americans in power told the rest of the population that they ought to be afraid. They told them what to believe about black people, that they deserve no respect, no support or any assistance at all, that they were to be mocked, feared and abused. And if you were to help them, then you were signing up to be mocked, feared and abused. These beliefs did not just go away. They morphed to blend into the times. And as each generation lives their version, they then pass it on. It's an attitude, it's a spirit. And this is how you end up with people with specific initiatives to support black businesses being met with pushback. Folks don't wanna support a black business just because it's black, or people don't wanna support because they believe the service of the product will not be high quality. Most black people, despite our ingenuity, still have to push through a wall of distrust, opposition, and financial impediment that was built at the base of all our family trees from the beginning. So with this as our inheritance, what do we do now? And when I say our inheritance, I'm not only talking about black people, I'm talking about everyone in this society because we all absorb this mindset of how to view what black people deserve. All of us pick it up. So then what do we do? There are so many angles from which this needs to be addressed, be it from a legislative policy standpoint to workplace policies, to beliefs about money in the home that you grow up in. But what I'm gonna focus on today is the work of Carrie Cadet. Carrie is an actress, comedian, Brooklyn native, and all around amazing person. She is the founder of Kwanzaa Crawl, an economic empowerment initiative that happens every year on the first day of Kwanzaa in Harlem and Brooklyn. She began this work when she was 30 years old, along with her beloved sister, Crystal Stark. So how does it work? What is Kwanzaa Crawl? It is a one-day event, a bar crawl, but it's so much more than a party and a good drinking time. It is a project born of Carrie's grassroots organization, Operation Mobilize, which provides actionable ways for everyday people to make a difference in their community. 
The event brings people of the African diaspora together to support Black-owned businesses in the community and has a goal to demonstrate Black buying power while operating under the seven principles of Kwanzaa. And it also brings awareness to those businesses while supporting the local Black economy. So when you get a ticket to Kwanzaa Crawl, you are prompted to join one of the multiple groups that will be crawling with a team leader in either Brooklyn or Harlem. On the day of, you get with your group after a brief Kwanzaa ceremony at the beginning of the event where candles are lit on a kinara to acknowledge each principle of Kwanzaa. Each crawl team is given a unique route of four bars for the duration of the event. And at each of the locations, there's DJs and good times and special Kwanzaa drink menus. A lot of the businesses on the routes are small businesses. The crawl is about providing supplemental income so those businesses can keep their doors and their lights on for yet another day. It's also another way for these businesses to be introduced to people who live in the community and did not know about them. In a recent interview with Alex Babbitt on his show, Behind the Mic Stand, Carrie shared that her inspiration started up in 2016 during a period where we all had experienced witnessing these back-to-back murders of several unarmed Black men. This is around the time where we're talking about Alton Sterling and Philando Castile and so many more. It was just back-to-back-to-back. And she recalled feeling frustrated and just in that state of wondering, what can we do? What can we really do? She was really tired of that sentiment of needing to beg white people to stop killing us and begging, begging people to see Black people's humanity. And she really just focused on getting her group together. What do my people need? And she thought about how we needed economic power and political power. And the political power piece seemed so big. And I think we can all relate to this, where you think about what it really takes to get political power. And you have all of these really well-funded lobbies, basically pooling their resources together to control the government for their own interest. And that part felt really big. So she was like, let me focus on this economic power because I can help us get to the money. So she really then focused on how do I get Black people together, get Black people supporting each other and supporting these businesses and building solidarity at the same time. Looking at the principles of Kwanzaa along you know, with this, she saw that really just has all of the teachings and the lessons that we need. So she put it all together and conceived of this idea of Kwanzaa Crawl, bringing her community together. I will link to the full interview between Alex and Carrie in the show notes so you can really feel her energy as she talks about this and further be inspired by Carrie Cadet's energy for action. But what am I learning from Kwanzaa Crawl? And what would I like you to learn from Kwanzaa Crawl? The first lesson is get creative. Bar crawls aren't new. But with Carrie's creativity, she was able to put a spin on an old concept and deploy it for good. Like there's an organization here in Seattle called Peace Peloton that gathers hundreds of people on bikes every two weeks and they ride to black businesses all over the city. Along the route, they hear speeches about Seattle black history or other issues and the people on the bikes patronize the businesses that are along the stops. So creative. Shout out to Reginald Doc Wilson for that incredible work. But it just goes to show you that this idea can be remixed where it's not necessarily a bar crawl. They had a bike ride. So that is one lesson. Get creative. Another lesson as I take this in is that I just want to impress upon folks that you can do something like this at a scale that works for you. Like how hard would it be for you to plan a black business tour with your crew one day? Just saying. 
These organizations are providing a blueprint for something you can do that is helpful. And right now, that's what we need is for people to do things that are helpful. You don't have to have a $500,000 target to the degree of like Kwanzaa crawl, because that's like the, the numbers that she's talking about. Carrie Cadet's organization is gathering thousands of people at this point, driving significant amounts of money into these black businesses. But you can just take that model and use it as a blueprint for something that is helpful at a scale that you and your friends can do. And finally, one more lesson is that if you know of an organization like this in your area, you can find out what they need to further their success and maybe contribute to that existing effort. Maybe they need promotion or volunteers. Maybe they need introductions to more businesses that they don't know yet or help forming partnerships. Maybe you're a lawyer and you can help them review paperwork that they need to submit for some reason. There are ways that your talents can support the creativity that someone else is already putting into action. So those are some thoughts. Get creative, think about it on your scale, and think about how you can contribute to something that might already exist. Okay? So... I hope this episode has given you some new ideas. And at the very least, I hope you were able to learn something that can help you to you better. I'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you found value in this episode, share it with a loved one. That's the main way we keep the show going and growing. And please leave a rating and a review for me. Let me know what's on your mind. All right, I'll see you next week.